No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Makes me almost want to start wearing Crocs again. My mood changes by the different color socks I'm in. Living in a watermelon bought by Gallagher. Saving the date on a Mayan calendar. Either shooting a text or a 50 caliber. Both are quite the battlers. The world's on fire, but I haven't burned a calorie. If you're living through the hell, you're a pal to me. 2020's been an itch with a capital B. Pandemic, epidemic, Aaron Paul's photogenic. When did history become the chronicles of Riddick? Social media's a critic yelling, ooh, you gonna get it. Cause you done did it. Well, hopefully we take the time to make lemonade out of key lime pie. We can't all live the Beyonce life, but even murder hornets break in the beehive. Be good to me, I'll be good to you. The truth is corny, but it gets us through. And your love is mighty great. I've been blacking out on Tuesday since 1988. My brain's Chernobyl as of late. I just sit and watch my thoughts radiate. Your love's been mighty great. I've been blacking out on Tuesday since 1988. My brain's Chernobyl as of late. I just sit and watch my thoughts radiate. this point you're sitting at home and you're wondering what to do with yourself well there's gas in your car you live in portland or you live in hillsborough or you live in the portland greater metro area what you need to do is hop in that little mobile of yours or on your bike and go to define premium cannabis why would they do that because there's two locations to serve you one in hillsborough one in forest grove and they have the dopest dope you ever smoked i know the guy that orders the stuff there that's me that's apple and it is truly premium cannabis pretty premium look here's the thing you're bored you're sitting at home you're fucking making sourdough bread 
at this point. Quit making sourdough bread. Go buy some it's wheat. Hard to make. No, make your sourdough bread while it's baking. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Go yes. get your wheat. Come back and you got some fresh, delicious, great bread to go with your fun edibles or topicals or smokables or dabs or they even have thca diamonds yes explain that to the folks apple real quick well that's hard to explain quickly but thca i mean that's like pure thc and they grow a crystal i don't understand that process (laughs) we just had ones that took artifact extracts like three months to grow that's insane wow. yeah they have to grow them let them form like those kits you got when you're a kid that grew crystals so like, they even I have mean, i don't magic the dabbables there all right and yes and when you go there if you tell them that you're a listener of no simple road you're going to get 10 percent off your purchase a free t-shirt apple's going to come back out of the back of the what am i going to do this time he's going to come out of the back of the store dressed as a zombie and he's going to zombie walk to the case yeah, that is and scary. he's going to very good. But I'll be a nice zombie. Uh, and he's going to pick out your best weed for you. I will do that. He will. And so, <laughs> two locations here in Portland, one in Hillsboro, one in Forest Grove. Tell him you listen to No Simple Road. You get 10%, 10%. off, free t-shirt, and you're going to take care of your head. We love you guys. Shop Tour Bus is a proud sponsor of the No Simple Road family and podcast. Yay! Shop Yay! Tour Bus! Shop Who's Tour Shop Tour Bus? What is that? Shop Tour Bus is a fantastic wonderful company that creates unique one-of-a-kind grateful dead inspired merch including t-shirts hoodies kids items stickers stickers, all kinds of fun stuff and that's not the best part what what's the best part? the best part is when you order a t-shirt or a hoodie or something super cute you're gonna get that exactly their hats are pretty sweet too you're gonna get that in a beautifully one-of-a-kind hand-designed box and it is going to be sent to you with a personal secret bootleg from a dead show that who knows what what, what time could be the 80s could be the 70s you never know but you're going to get one in there and you're also going to get fun stuff like pencils and stickers and it's a surprise and action figures i got an action figure See, and then when, if you feel like sending one to your friend, you can send a personal message. If you feel like sending one to your future self, you can send yourself a future message. So they have all kinds of fun stuff. And if you tell them that you listen to No Simple Road. By putting in the promo code, No Simple Road, when you check out. They will give you free, free shipping. shipping. That's right. They're going to give you free shipping for all that cute stuff that I said. Where can I get all this cool stuff? At shoptourbus.com and on Instagram at shoptourbus. Cool. So shoptourbus.com online or at shoptourbus on Instagram and you're going to get the coolest kid on the block. Then you bargain for, for sure. And you are going to be the coolest kid on the block, for sure. Yep. Have you ever listened to fish? Out of a fish? That you got from electric fish lights? Shit. Shit. All right. Here's the scoop, (laughs) y'all. Check it out. Go to at electric fish lights on Instagram right now while I'm talking. And go look at the post that explains what we just did. There's a post with a fish fish playing fish. The dopest fish fish you've ever seen. <laughs> and if you're if you're not quite understanding what you're seeing. Or what we're talking or about. Or what we're talking about. Electric <laughs> Fish Lights is a sponsor of No Simple Road. And what Electric <laughs> Fish Lights does is they take these pieces of plastic. It's called IQ technology. It means interlocking quadrilaterals. It's 30 interlocking pieces that can be configured into like 15 different shapes. And when you add more pieces, the shapes are endless. So you tell them what you want, they build it, and then it comes to your house and it's this magical contraption that lights up your life and makes everything better. 
All these lights are made from upcycled vinyl like um, plastic milk jugs, stuff like that. And they come with a 12-foot cord, a 12-year energy-efficient, safe-to-leave-on LED light bulb, and a hardware kit to hang in your light. These are good for hanging in your basement, in the that easy That 12-foot cord is dope. Yeah, it can be used <laughs> outdoors. Yeah, that's true. For anything. And they do custom designs, like I said. So let's see, like Pickle Rick. SpongeBob, jellyfish, uh, a fish, fish, fish. And any of your characters, yeah, and, and any of your sports teams. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's no. a popular one. And they're part of the No Simple Road family. So if you enter the promo code NSR in the checkout box when you check out, you're going to get ten percent off. And any NSR family member that orders a light with the color changing upgrade will receive a limited edition special promotional No Simple Road print. And these are. Only for a limited time. There's a limited supply of these And they're things. interactive. That poster is interactive with your fun new light that you're getting, that upgrade light. You so want do to it. It's fun. The color-changing light makes the poster become something even more alive. incredible. Your clothes, everything. It makes everything come alive. So go to electricfishlights.com or at electricfishlights on Instagram. Check them out. They are part of the No Simple Road family of sponsors. It's seriously you need one of these things in your house, in your life right now. So go check them out. No Simple Road is part of Osiris Media, and Osiris Media has something special for you guys. What? A new podcast called Past, Present, Future Live. When This, this, uh, this week's episode is with Ted Leo. If you don't know who this guy is, man, you got to go check this out. Since the early 90s, Ted has been part of the most progressive forces in independent music from his band chisel to ted leo and the pharmacist to his solo work he's always stayed true to his punk rock roots musically and politically in this episode he talks to rj about the music that influenced him over the years how his style has evolved and the seatbelt removing moments that feed him creatively past present future live is awesome you guys it takes um, a look at an artist in the past obviously in the present and the future and goes through their whole evolution of who they are as a person and an artist. It digs into a lot of things that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. And it's one of the many reasons that we're proud to be part of Osiris Media. Go check them out and all the other podcasts on Osiris Media. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspy, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, Happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's 
www.sadsongssummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. imagine like going on vacation back east with apple and you and finding the electric fish light store and not have knowing anything about them and then like on a cute little boardwalk yeah and apple comes running it's like i found the coolest I, shop i don't believe that already apple would not okay walking, walking <laughs> yeah, she's right quickly. i wouldn't cover i come around the corner with a couple boxes be like i bought an eagle's lamp and i got this cool spongebob what, one dude yeah. what did yeah. you do he'd make his purchase and then come get us <laughs> actually the minion i want a minion one minions are really they cute. are cool hey now no super road family what's up you guys how you doing how's everybody doing out there what's happening is everybody okay you feeling good it's been been a, a eventful weekend. Uh, we had the Fourth of July. I hope everybody was safe and had fun and did all the things that you wanted to do. And you know, I think people definitely shot off fireworks. I think there's more fireworks this year than everybody reported that. Darwin, yeah, everybody's at home in their neighborhoods. There was no big parties. So everybody, I, some of the videos I house. saw were crazy, dude. Yeah, that that video of L.A. looked, looked like, like, like a war, war zone. Yeah, yeah. So I, Darwin was very scary. He was not having it. Did not. Yeah, want to this be here. To, feel bad yeah. for all those puppies out there. there was Fourth a lot of July of is tough puppies. for yeah. pets. I don't. What is the the arc of like? I remember in my teens, like Fourth of July was my favorite thing on the planet. It was. I would save up money. I would drive to Pahrump with somebody <laughs> yeah, and go yeah, get illegal fireworks the every year. And then, I don't know, man, like once I had kids, I just didn't care about 4th of July anymore. I mean, I loved it because it's my dad's birthday and my daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. But And when your kids are still young enough to really get a kick out of it. Well, Simon didn't like him when he was little and Sydney didn't care for them either. Yeah, I guess that's true. Simon was scared and he his, it bothered his ears. <laughs> that's right. Remember, yeah. like he would get scared and literally cover his ears. So even though it was 4th of July... The kids never really they liked weren't fireworks. Like, Come on, more, no, more, more fireworks. I Let's light stuff on fire. Blow it up, mom. We bought sparklers always because that was super <laughs> cute and fun. You know, like the vanilla family. Well, yeah, yeah. because it just was. That I didn't. I don't know. It was dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. Their kids still have all their fingers and toes. Yeah. And they're they're mm-hmm. But our dog kid. now has PTSD. Oh. 
yeah. That's I, sad, man. He gets all flipped out. Was, yeah. There was some controversy about that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, you on know the doggy. what? I, okay. The I think the CBD, and, and the CBD market sees a spike right around the 4th of July because everybody buying CBD. I know to I took some on the 4th of July. <laughs> it's going to be a long night. Now, you know what, man? We're a little late getting the episode out. By the way, this week's episode mm-hmm. is the one and only Dave, Dave Schools from widespread, widespread motherfucking panic. panic and every other thing in music. Yes. I, this yes. guy is... Well, Dave Schools is from know. himself. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> he's a citizen of Earth. Yes. You know, but we're a little late getting the episode out this week. And I got to be honest with you guys. Like, it's tough to do intros and do what we do right now. It's It's not easy, man. I mean, when all this started, like, I was like, oh, shit music has stopped how are we going to continue doing no simple road like there's going to be no festivals there's going to be no live shows at least until summer when it when it first started yeah and now it's like dumbfounded like what how can this be until summer no and now it's like okay 2021 is a a good bet for live music at this point and i was really questioning how we're going to keep going and then I was like, you know what? No, we just need to keep doing what we've been doing. And that that has been the mission since all this started. And it's tough, man. It is not easy to um, keep out of the maelstrom that's going on out there and uh, to not get embroiled in controversy. I mean, even a discussion about fireworks can Mm -hmm. turn into something awful at this point and you know but this episode this week is something really special dave yes it is and something very special and unique and strange happened during the yeah yeah but the recording of this as well totally so if the jam band scene and dave when you if you listen back to this please don't take offense at this i mean this in the kindest kind of way if the jam band scene had a guru, it would be Dave Schools. Like this guy. I said after talking to him, yeah. like the last name Schools. It, it makes this sense. Was like, this was like talking to a teacher of music. So kind, so thoughtful, and so intelligent in the way just everything. You'll hear it in this interview. Uh, we're all floored after well, this one. This is one that made us really think, made us, made us. You made us, Dave, you made us like love each other more, think more, everything after this. Appreciate everything more. We were very elevated and elated with doing this. Yeah, and and, uh, Dave's presence came into our our house. Like, I don't know how else other to say, any other way to say that. Well, we've said like sometimes, you know, um, and we've even said, I think in this episode, there's certain people that like their energy enters the room you can feel them it precedes them and but dave felt like he was in here mm-hmm. like he felt like his his entire body his energy his spirit like he felt like he was in here and it was it was very personally do you want like, to talk about it to, well, about what happened during the course of the interview um i started to have a panic attack which i've never had before and didn't realize what it was so it's my first time having a panic attack so i know if, if i mean i've heard of it because i used to work in a hospital and, and i've had them aaron's had them and you know people around me had them sydney's had them before 
and, but I never had one. So I, you know, when it happens to you, you don't, you don't always think rationally, you know? So while I was sitting here writing in my book, I had, I was taking notes with Dave schools and the interview and I had written a widespread panic on the paper that I was writing. And as I was having the panic attack and kind of had this crazy heart palpitations and I kind of looked over at Aaron and just looked. I knew something was up, but we're in the middle of an interview. I'm not going to like, okay, everybody stop. And Dave is talking, you know, and, um, but I'm like feeling my heartbeat in my throat and in my eyeballs. Like it was just like coming out, you know, and as I look down on the paper and see the widespread panic and I just started to trace over the word panic over and over and over. And I was like, Oh, I'm having a panic attack. It was like, my hand was just kind of like telling, telling me what, you what happened, but I was, it was unconscious cause I was just writing, you know, mm-hmm. and it, I wasn't going to say anything because I, was embarrassed not even not even embarrassed well, we're I was, in the middle of an interview yeah. yeah we're in the middle of an interview it's not the right time it was like, a very <laughs> par- interesting part of the interview exa- too where he's yes. talking about colonel bruce yes mm-hmm. and so that very. was another strange thing because it, i didn't have that um feeling going into the interview at all Mm-mm. like we were all laughing and joking and we did an intro and or you know or whatever we did and then that happened and i don't know why it was so poignant but like at the end when we start talking about it it was I just was remembering a lot about that day because I was reminiscing about that day and coming home from work and thinking about um interviewing Dave Schools and like the like the grandeur the, of the it gravity the of gravity it. of yeah. it which it's a in, big deal though in all the no simple road time I don't really recall feeling too even with O'Teal, I, I didn't know O'Teal's gravity when we first interviewed him. I didn't. I didn't know how big he was in the scene. So it wasn't a big deal for me. It was a big deal because you were so excited, you know. But this one, I know who Dave Schools is. And I know, like, all the bands that we love and that we promote and we have on the show have all his fingers has touched all of them. Right. And so to me, it was a big deal. But I didn't realize it. And I think during the course of the conversation talking about Colonel Bruce and just what he was saying just triggered this thing. And it, like I said, my heart was just going so crazy and I didn't want to ruin an awesome interview <laughs> by talking about my panic, attack. panic attack, but, but there was so much tied into it, you know, there was so, and then, so I mentioned it when we were on the outro, which you guys will hear. Yeah, if you stick around to the end of the interview, you'll hear it. Yeah. And so we, we talk about it a little bit and I'm glad I did. And I just wanted to say again to Dave, if you're listening to the intro, thank you so much for um, just understanding and, and being reassuring and talking about it with me. Cause it made it like, it was just a really strange, exhilarating, scary, weird, uh, I don't even know what kind of feeling it yeah, was. Yeah, well, I mean, and not to be too on the nose with it, but you had a panic attack while talking to Dave Schools from Widespread Panic yeah. that's named after a panic attack. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what, kind I, of I didn't, like, what is the, I mean, if anybody's out there and wants to take a shot at what, the <laughs> what kind of relevance <laughs> that has. What's that about? Well, maybe uh, Mikey showed up, who knows? But yeah, I don't know. It was, um, I had one panic attack since then, um, but it was no, nowhere near as. Um, you were listening to Chili Water? No, (laughs) Um, I was at work and it was minor and it lasted seconds. But um, anyway, I don't know. I shared that. But there you go. There's a little bit of backstory about the episode 
and what you guys are going to hear. It's just, there's just certain people that are, I, I feel like are just tapped into a higher frequency. They, they exist in a, like this liminal space between the psychedelic world and default reality. And they have a really good way of translating information back and forth. And I think that's part of the reason that Dave is so prominent in the producing music scene and doing everything that he does is he just, it's, it's this natural, it's just his personality. It's him. him. And it really like, there's this huge vibration that comes from him. Like you can feel it when you're on the phone with him. And I, Jesus Christ, man, I can't even imagine hanging out, you know (laughs) what I mean? Or playing with him on stage. stage. It was nice. It was so nice. It was nice to get to know him. It was nice to hear his stories. It was nice to hear his voice. Mm And to like, and we made a friend. Yeah, and, well, th- and this is even cool this too. is another way it's been fun. These interviews through this because we really get a we get to hear how much they're enjoying. They're missing the road and touring stuff, but same with this with Dave. He's at home when a time when he normally wouldn't be talking about. He gets to have peaches off the peach tree. They're usually he's usually gone for that, and it's really sweet getting to hear all these musicians talk about how much they love home their other side at the yeah they're they're getting some downtime well and, and we're they, getting to know a, a very personal deeper side of these people that we talk to yeah in a different way than we've been it's able different to than when past. they're on the road and we're talking to them from they're on the bus somewhere or they're some and they're you in know, the midst they're, of the excitement and yeah. they're home for two days and they're doing interviews while they're home or whatever it is like that is not what's going on right now no. and i i don't know about you guys out there but it's a it's a very daunting thought to think that we're not going to have any music live music until after new year like that's just an insane thought to me but yeah don't dwell on it we don't know nobody knows no 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 there has been small live things and right so we'll see live music before the end of the year okay of course but not huge venues i think one of the wonderful things that's a flip side of that is that we do get to do this and and give it out and put it out there so that there's at least some some of the energy going out there and and like I said, we're getting to know these people and when we do end up back there with everybody, it's gonna be on a completely other level because the the level of uh what's the word I'm looking for? Not personability. Um just the, the way that you know the artist that you listen to will have changed. You'll know them on a deeper level than you ever did before because you've heard them. Yeah. chilling at home and you, you don't get to do that so yeah i'm excited for you guys to hear this and it's we were super honored to have dave on the show and like i said it was really cool to make a friend and and have that energy in our house it really did up the game for us and, and not to appreciate mention it. during um this uh time the quarantine time it has been really nice to just talk to people from our living room from their living room like just the different type of conversation that we're having with them it's been nice like a just a different different perspective vibe. different yeah. vibe different yeah yep it's so it feels <laughs> it's good, homie. You know? what's up homie <laughs> so yeah you guys and you know i uh last week was billy strings this week's day schools and we got a bunch more coming for you guys and that's another 
bonus that's come out of all this is artists have a little more time to talk. So we've had a chance to get with some of the artists that have, are really busy most of the time. And so I'm excited to bring you as much as we can of that. And like I said, we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing, man. It, it, I started off by saying that it's tough to, to do this and not get embroiled in the controversy that's going on, but we are able to do this and bring a different perspective and give you a little bit of that connection to the artists that we love and you get to hear another side. So that's beautiful. And I'm really honored to be able to do that for you guys. And I think that is like one of the raddest parts about doing no simple road is that right there. That's like one of my favorite things, especially right now, man, like when it's needed the most. Yeah. Yeah. So, you there's know, there's not what? a whole lot of outlets and lets, <coughs> you know, it's, it's so not. We, we, what are we? We're, we're a lighthouse. We're an outlet. We're, we're an inlet. <laughs> we're a headlight we're, on a northbound train. We're a, I don't know. It's, you know our, it's our medicine. It's, yeah. it's like vitamin, like supplements. <laughs> <laughs> vitamin NSR. Keeps us, keeps you know, it's like when good. you're home and you don't have to get dressed. But you <laughs> yeah, get, I do know what that's like. <laughs> but you get <laughs> dressed anyway to give yourself some, like, some structure and some, you know, normalcy. And so I feel like that's a part of what the show does too. It gives a little bit of structure to the week and a little bit of normalcy in a changing world, which it's fine. We got to embrace it and that's awesome. But also sometimes you still should, sometimes you need your constants. Yeah, that's you know, true. Your rock, yeah. your horizon, the wow. sun, the moon, those those things, if they were all different at at a certain point, it'd be really weird to wake up to like a green sun or zero <laughs> moon coming out or the horizon was vertical. Like it would be really strange. So certain things. <laughs> that, I just pictured like morning all those. Smells. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? So. I, just, I just pictured like all that she's saying. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Well, what if all of them happened at once? That'd be a cool poster. It w- hey, I might have to draw that. <laughs> you know what? Let's quit talking about it. What? Let's get them to the internet. Let's get the Let's business. We got to do a little business. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It just feels. I feel weird today. I feel weird. You look weird. I thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I do. I feel it. It feels odd doing this right now for some reason. I don't know why. Well, it's kind of funny because all week you've. I've been hemming and hawing. Yes. So so usually Aaron is the one who's like so precise about, okay, we need to record on this day. We got these interviews over here. Aaron just was, it's strange to see Aaron on the other side, the one that's kind of like, well, we could do it later. You know, tomorrow's fine. You know what? It's okay. The middle of the week, it's cool. All right. Here's the the deal. (laughs) We were going to get you to the interview. You're going to have to sit through another few minutes. Just hang in there with us. So... We partied on the day before the 4th of July and uh, took sacrament at home. And man, it wasn't worth it for me this time. It, it, I realized that not having the music and the people around me. Well, we did have music on and we did and have We weren't other. at a show so, yeah. and we, <laughs> there wasn't the crowd and the band and the whole arc of going and being excited for the show and then the energy feedback loop that happens at the show and the afterward part of it and talking to people and set breaks weird and 
not having that left me flat the day after. I was just like, ugh. Yeah, we didn't get to go to church. We got to kind of watch a yeah. We peered in the window church on TV and hang out. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it wasn't worth it because I mean it was really it was it was fun. It was it was really fun night and nice weekend. It was okay, but it was it fun. wasn't that like we were talking about that day. It there was there was. It's like going up a roller coaster, ting, 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 and you never really get, you kind of get to the top and stay because there was no, no, there was no band, all that other feedback that we're used to when we do that. But it, it was, was just, just, yeah, and, and the, the next two days were just a slog for me. I don't know about you guys, but I had a rough time the next couple of days, which I don't normally have like that. Mm, that's bullshit. Not like that. <laughs> not sorry, not like bullshit. that. You, you always have some kind of adverse. Well, feelings. yeah, but this was like, I cu- I was dumbfounded the next day. I didn't get off the couch. The entire I didn't even put on clothes. I laid on the couch in my pajamas the whole day. It was very strange to come home from work <laughs> and see you <laughs> all jammied up and your hair. I just knew when I saw your hair, I was like, he didn't. That was I all day. Moved. I yeah. laid on the couch and binged an entire season of a TV show. I've never, I don't you do never, that. I don't never do that. that. And, uh, and it like bled over into not wanting to do the show this week, I was just like, oh, fuck, fuck it. Like, it doesn't matter. What does it matter? And you know what? Fuck that guy. I don't want to listen to him. He's he's a drag and he doesn't have serotonin. Yeah, Aaron and I talked about it and I, I felt like personally it wasn't <laughs> worth it either. And I don't feel like that about, I don't usually feel like that. I, I'm excited. I, I liked it. It was fun. There was a super sweet moment between the three of us. For me, that was worth it. That, that was, was the like, highlight. But I didn't need that. I don't know that if it was because of the same reasons that Aaron said, like, you know, the excitement and the show and all that. But definitely the show, not having a show does it again, structure. Mm-hmm. You don't have a, a structure like a focal point. And so because we didn't plan on like doing anything specific or interactive. We laid in the hammocks and yeah, which was, that was was amazing. It was awesome. But it was amazing (laughs) the next night when we laid in the hammock and you know, like I look at it too, that at this point right now, right now is when all of us, all of us, all of you you guys out there, us, we were supposed to be at several festivals by now it was almost like trying to like, okay, we can capture a piece of their summer that's gone. And yeah, that doesn't happen without that. It was really weird. And lately like father's day week in the last two, three weeks have been just kind of weird wonky. Cause it's usually when more things are going on, we're supposed to be out doing things, traveling and yeah, trying to grasp for that. The changes of the world definitely affected, um, the ability to release, let go. Yeah, let yeah. go. Yeah, I, for I, me, for me, me too, a little me. bit. You know what? You know, like, now that you guys are talking, what that felt like. It was that was really fun, but it was like when we were in high school. Totally, it was like a high school home roll. <laughs> like you say, when you just said that, there was no strike. We didn't, there was no point of it. We didn't really have anything planned. It we was spur to, of the moment we to on Friday night. 2010, 4th of July fish. Yeah. That's and what it was, and I, it could have been silence as far 
as far as I'm concerned. I I don't remember any of the music. It wasn't any part of... Poster Nutbag? Not even a tiny bit. The Dog? No. Harpua. Harpua. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that was like a high school home roll. So before we did that, weeks ago, I was contemplating taking Sacrament. And I was like, you know what? Don't feel like I want to do that while all this is going on. The energy in, in the world is too heavy right now. Space is not My right. headspace isn't right. I just, I'm not sure if I want to do that. And then the opportunity came up for the 4th of July. I was like, well, it's, man, it's my daughter's birthday. It's the first time my dad's been gone. It's his birthday. Like, I should celebrate. And I, I, it's okay. And I talked myself into it against my own better judgment. And that's what you get. So, lesson learned. Get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. That's right. I did. I'm not throwing a fit. I'm just talking about it to the family. I'm letting them know what's really going on. If I sound weird, that's what's up, man. I'm just being honest with the crew. That's it. So, yeah, that's what's going on. My head's. That's, that's nice of you to be honest because it was yeah. like, what the hell is your problem? I kind of forgot that we did that. To be I honest, didn't. like to for for your behavior. You know what I mean? Like to justify your behavior. Like I, I like I was being naughty. What? No, like <laughs> what I mean is like I had. It didn't even occur to me that that would still be a residual from that. So typically when we do that, usually it's 72 hours. I've noticed like 72 hours later, I'm pretty much back to default me. But this this one physically was rough and tiring and left my head a little scrambled based on the energy of the world right now. Because, you know, when felt like that too like the as far as like the energy of the world you felt that oh yeah oh oh yeah like the next day i that's why i laid on the couch all day i i was like felt like a giant was standing on me energetically really yeah okay see i felt like it like Mm -mm. like disassociative it helped cut that off and kind of put up a force field i was fortunate but that's not necessarily to take my mind off of it yeah so I don't know. Do what you want to do out there. There ain't no <laughs> rules, man. The, the, yeah, we're just do sharing. Do will, Chevy, the whole, the law. <laughs> yeah, why, we're why sharing we're TMI again no. right now. No, no we're not. <laughs> no, man. You know what? I, I think that's one of the beauty things that is beautiful about what we do. Mm-hmm. What this show is, is like, wow, Aaron sounds kind of weird this week. I wonder what's up. And then Aaron will say, hey, this is why I'm weird this week. Or Melanie cries on the show. Apple, whatever. You know, yeah. like it's... We're honest, man, and we're family. And if I can't be honest with my family, then I'm just full of shit. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I'm yeah. not trying to put on a front or be a radio personality. I'm Aaron, you know? So that's me. Ta da. you go having a put on. That's me, Mr. Put on. All right. So thanks for enduring all of that. So for real, we're going to do the business this time. Check us out on Instagram at No Simple Road. Facebook at No Simple Road. And listen, I was just saying all this stuff about like we want to, we're going to be bringing you more artists and deeper conversations and all that stuff. Well, the way that we keep going is through patreon.com forward slash No Simple Road. To everybody that signed up recently, you guys are freaking awesome. We love you. Thank you so much, man. I wonder if Patrick got his. I don't know. Patrick, if you got your collage for your Patreon, uh, pledge let us know man hashtag no simple road on instagram and we'll see it but yeah that's how we keep gas in the tank and pay for all the things that we do and do the things that we need to do and also thank you to all of you that have recently purchased merch through www.nosimpleroad.com man 
bunch of you have, have bought some t-shirts and stickers and stuff. And man, we really appreciate that. That helps keep gas in the tank as well. So go on over there. There's, there's hoodies and t-shirts of all different colors and a couple different styles. And that's at no simple road.com. And those hoodies are so, that hoodie is so soft and comfy. That's what I put on when I was coming down oh, yeah. the other day. Just because the, it's the ins- like a like security blade. Like the of the field. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's really nice. Yep. It's pretty awesome. And if you want to do something sweet and kind for the No Simple Road family, you know what you can do? You can go on Apple Podcasts and you can hit the search icon down at the bottom and type in No Simple Road and go to our show and leave a five-star review and a little little text wordy thing there and we will read it on the show we'll read it we'll be super stoked same with the email same with dms on instagram you guys should know people have listened people who people haven't listened you send us something we're gonna shout it out we're yeah. gonna Unless that's you say what you don't keeps, want us uh, to. that's what keeps that's what puts more fuel in the tank too like that is so true it Apple. makes us so happy every time when we sit down to do this we're all each of us are like checking for med like did we miss anything that does remind me, we did miss something. We got a letter from Carrie, Mountain Carrie. What? When? And, um, hang on. So Carrie is a long, long time, time listener, listener and friend of ours, part of the No Simple Road family. And we got to meet at Fish, right? No, at no, Gorge. Den, at Gorge, Gorge that's yeah. right, when she came to Dead & Company. And she, she and I correspond now and then, and she wrote a letter um, on the 23rd. And I am remiss. I haven't gotten back to her. I usually get back to her right away. But I wanted to read you guys a letter. Just this is the kind of stuff that comes through the inbox that like lights me up, man. This is the kind of stuff that like, I'm like, this is what No Simple Road is all about. And so this is from Carrie. Hey, everyone. Just thinking of you all and wanted to say hi. I've been really appreciating you all as a source of comfort and connection. Thank you for keeping on and making the show a place I do call home. Hard to believe it's been three years. By the way, we had it's our, our anniversary. anniversary. Yeah. Coming up in a couple of weeks of the first episode of No Simple Road. I recorded it I on the 4th. I thought you released it on the... I did not release it on the 4th of July. Okay. Sat on it for okay. a minute. Sat on it. But anyway, yeah. So hard to believe it's been three years. I'm glad to know that you all are well in these crazy times. I have been well too, and in many ways this isolation has been good for me. I already live such a quiet life, and not a whole lot seems different. It was disappointing to not be able to finish the school year, but after I learned all the new technology, it wasn't too bad being a kindergarten teacher from home. I do miss the kids, and I'm really hoping we can go back in the fall. I've enjoyed all the time of reflection, and my kids have actually become friends. We have a large wow. garden, but also a large vole population, which is eating well. Yeah, we have a vole population here that's eating well as well, Carrie. <laughs> so I hope to do lots of camping this summer, and I'm off to a good start with that. I continue to enjoy all the episodes, and I'm grateful for all of you. I can only imagine how much you are all missing live music. Aww. The handful of shows I see a year are very much missed. I am so glad I went to Dead & Company's New Year's show. I had a strong feeling that the circle was being completed by that trip. Love you all. Wishes of safety and peace to each of you. Thanks for being my family, Carrie. Oh, we love you, Carrie. Carrie. Yep. Ugh. That's what it's That's all about. That's awesome, too. Your kids are getting along. That's no, good. We, we met Carrie. She came out. That Gorge um, show was such a beautiful time for family. Like, there was so much, like, crazy shit that happened during that time. It was awesome. But it was such... When I look back at it, I have the picture 
of the Polaroid in my locker at work. And it's such a proud moment for me to see not only my grandson, but our extended family, our No Simple Road family. Like, it was just so much love. So shout out to that time and everybody, Chris, Carrie, Nate, Megan, BJ, BJ, Cody, um, <laughs> so many of Adam, us there. Sid, everybody, who, Simon, Max, every, I mean, um, there was three uh, generations wait, when, of Schaefer Nate, in that show. Um, Nate. Yeah. The other Nate. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So grand Poobah. Wait, no, I said Nate. What was Did it? You? Um, the interview from downstairs. Oh, uh, Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Kyle. Oh, Kyle and all, yeah. yeah. So there was so many of us. Um, Alex, everybody. Yeah, there was Alex, so many Sam, people. All their it's crazy, man. So thank you. And because we just remember that it is our three-year anniversary, Dave Schools, thanks again for being our three-year anniversary guest. Wow. We yeah. couldn't have planned that better if we <laughs> tried. <laughs> Boom. So without further ado. The No Simple Road Crew gives you Dave Schools. Hi, Aaron. And the bunch, yeah, hey, the bunch is only three of us, and um, I'm Mel, Dave, so thanks for being with us today. Your name is Mel? Mel. Yeah, M-E-L. All right, Mel, how are you? I'm good. And you're the third. And then the third one, uh, this is Apple, and thank you for giving us some of your time on this beautiful Sunday. All right, Apple, good to meet you. I don't even know what your podcast is about, but people I love do it, and uh, they're excited about it, so uh, let's have a wing ding. Yeah, man, let's do it. So I'll give you a a quick three-minute backstory. Um, Three years ago, uh, my son bought me a little crappy microphone for Father's Day and was like, hey, Dad, you're always talking about music. You guys should start a podcast. And um, I was like, okay. So I recorded an episode by myself on our front porch talking about how I got turned on to the Grateful Dead and slowly I live with um, obviously my wife Mel and my best friend Apple we all moved up from Vegas to Portland Oregon and so I interviewed them and then um, it just kind of went from there we started reaching out to artists and O'Teal was kind of the first one that was a bigger name that came on the show that was helping us out and um it just blew up man like this community started growing around the show and we started doing festivals and that kind of thing and it's just taken off from there so that's how we've ended up talking to all of your friends <laughs> well that's great that's natural and organic and that's how the best things always evolve yeah yeah for sure and it's a trip man like when we first started doing it, it was, uh, it, it was difficult because the aspect of talking to the musicians that we've gone to see for all these years was so fucking huge to us. To you. To me. Mel, Mel's different. But to me. And, you know, through all of this three years in, I've really come to realize that we're all just people, man. And I was going to advise that, but I figured you'd come to that conclusion. On your own. <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah. 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 And, and it's cool to see that like we all kind of have this similar story in this, this thing that happens to us that makes us love the music so much. And, um, I just want to say thanks for everything that you do for, for this community and for, and for the music, man. It's, it's astounding the amount of work that you do. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't seem like work until it's refracted through someone else's lens. Um, 
but thank you. So you get paid to have fun? <laughs> well, you know, I think it's a Ronnie Millsaps, a country star, has sort of a quote that I'll I'll uh, I'll paraphrase, but it's like they don't pay me for the the time on stage; they pay me for the schlep. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so that what's, you know, it, what's it, the schlep though? Well, the schlep would be leaving your loved ones behind oh, to go okay. on the road, um, you know, and and live on a tour bus if you're lucky. Right. Uh, but generally, it would be a van, close quarters, probably, uh, you know, widespread panic. We had seven, eight people jammed into hotel rooms. Wow. Um, you know, and... Uh, How many hotel rooms we, is that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... No, that would be one person, one hotel room for seven or eight people. For everybody. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. For years. You like know, my like five years? You like this... Uh, you know, it's so in the past that I can't remember okay. because it was a natural evolution. But, you know, it, it literally started with uh, two cars. Mikey had an old land whale and JB had some sort of cutlass that perpetually had a donut tire on it. <laughs> and we'd load whatever gear and mic stands and stuff we had into those two cars. And we'd drive from Athens to Macon, Georgia or Greenville, South Carolina. And we'd play some play. You know, and we picked up our fans one by one, and that's how it started. And then we had a 1968 Bluebird school bus. Yeah. Where uh, um, we had to park it, we had to back it up a hill, generally, <laughs> because the first gear wasn't really viable. So we'd have to roll start it and pop it into second gear to, to, to get it to go. Um, and we, we wore that sucker out and left it on the side of the road, and someone hauled it off between Richmond, Virginia, and Charlottesville. Oh, shit. Um, wow. You know, and so then it was a van and a truck, and then it was a truck and a bus, and then it was three trucks and three buses. and But it was never ahead of, you know, what we could afford and what seemed right for us. I remember we, the very first Horde tour, does anyone remember the Horde tour? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Apple's 52, I'm 48, Mel's 40. Okay. Sure. So the first Horde tour was only like seven shows, but it was... Us, Bruce Hampton, Fish, Spin Doctors, and Blues Traveler. Right. All those guys had buses, except for us and the Aquarium Rescue Unit, Bruce Hampton's band. <laughs> and we were headlining some of the shows. <laughs> we pull up, yeah. the, you know, in our in our van and our little tube truck, and everybody else had their fancy tour buses. But uh, you know, it's just natural. It's the way it works. I, so wanted, I wanted to ask that's you about, the schlep. I wanted to <laughs> ask you about schlep. about Bruce. Uh, Dave, it, it, the musicians that I revere and hold dear have all in some way been influenced and touched by Colonel Bruce's influence. What was it about him that was so mystical? Well, you know, I mean, you got five hours. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Really, I think mystique is something that comes as word of mouth. Um, you know, those of us who were super close to him know that he was able to pull off things that indicated he was plugged into some higher elevation, some power outlet of the universe that's unavailable to most of us. Hmm. Um, and that's the kind of thing that builds the mystique. Uh, the parlor tricks that he'd do to sort of hide the fact that he was indeed plugged into something much deeper um, because being plugged into deep things 
those kinds of people scare regular folks. Right. Uh, it's something that most people don't understand, and therefore it's a little off-putting in some cases. It's frightening. So Bruce would do things like guess your birthday, disappear a cigarette into the palm of his hand, all kinds of what I call parlor tricks. Right. Because those were easily debunked. And if you're able to call him a parlor trickster, then he could hide behind that and not freak people out by some of the things that he was able to literally pull off. But none of that matters because that's mystique. Right. And it's really not, I'm not going to spend our time talking about Bruce, talking about the mystique and the legend. Right. I would prefer to talk about the main onus of your question, which would be, what is it about Bruce that formed all of these musicians that you have so much respect for. Right. And I would say that's a twofold thing. One, he viewed himself as like a little league ball coach for musicians. Okay. Um, which is like, you know, we're, we're not talking like major league baseball. We're definitely talking about baseball. But we're talking Bush league. <laughs> we're talking single a, maybe double a kind of stuff. Right. We're talking rudiments of performance. Um, and then the second thing, you know, that he would have said that he was, was a wrecking ball for the ego. Mm. And I think that's the important part to talk about. You know, we can talk about the rudiments like sort of stuff you see James Brown run his band through. Super tight, no eye contact on stage, understanding it's a presentation to the audience. Right. Um, that's so good. And he had that in space. <laughs> it was weird. But that's where he drew it from, were those, those blues and those R&B stars from the 50s and 60s. Okay. Now, the wrecking ball to the ego is the super important part, in my opinion. Because as best evidence in the classic Aquarium Rescue Unit, which featured O'Teal and Jimmy Herring and Jeff Sype and Reverend Moser and mm -hmm. Matt Mondi, the mandolin player, those guys were incredible alpha dog musicians. I mean supremely deep cats. Right. The kind of guys who could play stuff that almost isn't enjoyable to a non-musician because it is so advanced. But he was able to take them, strip their egos down, give them the freedom to be themselves, express themselves, have their own language through their incredible chops and still remain a unit. And, you know, to me, that's the key word. The aquarium rescue part, that's the absurdity of Bruce Hampton. The key word of that group is unit. Right. Um, and that's really his thing. And you can see, uh, you know, in people that he groomed from, like, young uh, trucks, saying, there are only two people you need to listen to, kid. Noosrod and Gatemouth Brown. You know? Right. Listen to those two guys and find yourself within those two spectrums. I think he did. Wow. Um, you can, you know, the, the last kid that was sort of on the bench was, Taz. you know, Taz. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah, Taz, yeah, Niederauer. You know, he, he was there. In fact, Bruce gestured to him to take the solo right before he collapsed on stage. Yeah, even the exit was extraordinary. The exit was the kind of exit reserved for Shaman. Yeah, you know, to go out of this particular plane, um, riding on an immense wave of love generated not only from a sold-out house, the finest house in the city you love, the Fox Theater, right? 
sold out with people from all over the world who love and respect you, surrounded on stage by 30 musicians you had literally formed. Students. Right. Because none of his mentors were still alive. You know, but if there had been, there was one there. I can't remember the fellow's name. He's like a 90-year-old piano player. <laughs> um, but, you know, Bruce would tell you Bobby Bland was his big, you know, big hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why Love Light was the first song he played and his very first ever public performance. And it was his exit tune. It's song it, will never be the same for me. It's astounding. Wow. It's 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 literally like that's one of those things that that stops me in my tracks. Like, may, I never met the guy. I, but I've been affected by him through all of you guys, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, man. Because widespread panic, aside from panic what you're doing is carrying on that tradition of training up those musicians. You're all the bands that are coming up that I appreciate have your fingerprint on them in some way, shape or form. And that's well, this is like, it's, it's a, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off just yeah. because I, I, I appreciate that. Um, but really it's, it's an infection, you know, and Bruce would approve of that term. We have infected with intent the role of rock stars and powerful musicians. Uh, the intent is to go beyond the commercial. Right. You know, and, and that's an infection because part of the, the tapestry that was been woven from the early exploitation of blues men and the stealing of rock and roll from black people mm-hmm. uh, all the way through classic, you know, rock and roll with all the trappings of private jets and groupies. And you know, this is all a tale woven to sell records. Right. You know, we've lived in this like 50 year old bubble that the MP3 and streaming has kind of finally punctured a hole in where there were things that could be stolen that folks could have at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and music, popular music was reduced to units. Units sold, little black discs that you could hold, and then cassette tapes, A-track tapes, compact discs, shiny little discs. Well, now they just exist in the, in the air, but Bruce's intent, the infection, was to not make that the point of being a band or being a musician. was to remind us that we have a sacred duty to heal and to unite people. Um, and sometimes it takes just abject absurdity to pound that point home. And that was Bruce's, that was his hammer. That was, it was sort of a, it was really a hammer that was like a big rubber clown, you know, hammer. (laughs) It was a weapon that doesn't hurt. Absurdity, you know, it's like, okay, if this is over your pay grade, then you laugh and say, that guy's like a weirdo. And you move on, you know, you don't hate him. You're never going to say anything negative about him. Um, but if, if he hammers your skull in the right way and you suddenly get it, that music is three-dimensional and it's a force of power to unite people, you've had your head turned or you've really had your skull bashed in. Oh, yeah. But it's been done with love and absurdity. And, and to me, that's the important thing. So, you know, when you say that, and thank you for saying that, yeah, you know, man. our fingerprints are on younger bands, we are just sort of reinfecting the next generation. I'm so lucky, and we're all so filled with gratitude to have had Bruce um, 
sort of come like a wrecking ball into our lives. And, and, and for Panic, it was, we were really young. You know, in fact, it was Bruce that delivered our compact discs of our first record. We were playing a gig at some girls' college called Agnes Scott in Atlanta. And we were sound checking, and here comes this guy with a box of CDs from Landslide Records, a little indie label out of Atlanta that first signed us. You know, and, and to me, that was just like every step of the way, he's been a part. Um, you know, and Bruce is very fond of saying, without you, I'm nothing, and with you, I'm nothing. You know, and that's, <laughs> it, it's a riddle. These are poems, you know? Yeah. He was perpetually, and sometimes just visually, like the, the just watching the man pack up his gear was like a riddle and an enigma, and it was so humorous <laughs> and it was absurd. And if you search far enough into the internet, you know, you can find footage that like Dwayne Trucks took. Dwayne and Kevin Scott took footage of Bruce packing up his gear one night, and it's the most absurd thing you've ever seen. Wow. And it carries so much gravitas. But the, um, so you know, it's like one I of those, said, I could go on. No, it's like it's one of those things that's multi-layered, and that is the the very thing that draws me and these guys to the music and the scene. It's it's that that essence of power that when we all get together and the music's playing, and the band and the audience connect on that level, that something else happens. You can stand outside of it and watch it and say, yeah, that was a great concert. But if you're on the inside of it, and like you said, if you've had your skull smashed in with that hammer, then there's something completely different going on. That That's right. I, yeah, man. And that's the beautiful thing. That's the, <clears throat> and that's, that's what I was saying to you about these, these younger cats is like, we just talked to a band yesterday. They're called Mojo Han. They're from back East. And they're young guys. They're 20. I don't think any of them are older than 22. Only one band. of them's old enough to drink. Right. And these guys get it and are doing it for the right reason. I didn't hear one of them say, I want to make a million dollars and sell every album on the planet. They, it's a lot more reality these days with that. Yeah. But with the way things are right now, like you said, with the internet and with the social climate, the way it is right now, do you think that the the role of the musician changes in times of strife like this? Or do you think that that essence of what it is to be a musician and carry that torch remains the same? Well, I think that any outside force is going to exert itself upon an individual or a small group trying to render art. Um, so what's happening to it, what appears to me right now from my lockdown position in Sonoma County right. um, is we have a state of black artists. Um, and some of them have passed on, but there's a lot of awareness going on about these messages. You know, it's like 50 some years ago, while the day what's going on, <laughs> yeah. that message hasn't changed. Mm. Um, and, but there's a, a great awareness um, I think especially with young people, millennials, I hate categorization. Right. Um, let's just say a lot of people are awakening to what's between the lines in those kinds of questions. I've seen a lot of people posting videos of, of Simone talking about the role of the artist. 
Right. He's not specifically talking about the role of a black artist, although that may be heavily laced through the music she's left up. But the role of the artist is to reflect society. Um, so when there's some brutal awareness happening um, and a call for change is being picked up like a clarion call by folks that may have not necessarily been aware of it as long as some of these black artists, um, I think the obviousness of the need for change is going to exert itself on younger bands. And, and you know, a band like, uh, what did you say they were called? Mojo Hand? Yeah, Mojo Hand. You know, guys, they're not even open up to drink. They obviously realize the power that's inherent, even if it's just good times, mm-hmm. of playing their music together. Um, there's an openness, a reception to the energies from without. Um, and that energy right now is so incredibly palpable. Uh, it's got the attention of the world. Yeah. Um, the righteousness of the need to awaken is going to find its way into music. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to say, my role is being fulfilled. Some people are going to say, finally, they're listening to what I've been saying for a long time. <laughs> Other people are going to snap and wake up and go, oh my God, I've got a responsibility. Right. Um, I think it's part and parcel of understanding um, what it means to go beyond trying to sell records, make a living. You know, we all want to make a living playing music. Uh, very few people actually do. Um, anyone can make a record nowadays. That's why there's so much mediocre music out there. Right. Because anyone can make a record. And anyone can be a genius. Any group can make the next Dark Side of the Moon. But the chances of us hearing it, you've got to have a lot of friends who turn over a lot of rock. But I think right now is a great time if there's a, a group or an artist that's looking for like a direction for their output. Um, I think they're getting a lot of signs from the universe right now. Um, we need to wake people up, make them open, crack them open, and make them receptive um, to the indoctrination that they've been unaware of in a lot of cases. Right. Dave, can you think of anything that through this that you've been awakened to that you didn't realize? Well, it's ongoing. I mean, I've been doing a lot of work on myself for at least 20 years um, since I kind of got sober. um, And it's not kind of, I got sober. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that just by processing that, there's a a lot of self-examination. It's been an ongoing process. But the term I, I like to use about myself is I really want to remain teachable. Mm. Not always successful, um, but I try. Uh, and like in terms of maybe the, the tumult that's going on right now over race inequality, this has been like a three-year journey for me because I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, oh, yeah, uh, the yeah. capital of the Confederacy. And about, uh, if you recall the, the the tragic events in Charlottesville about three years ago. Yeah. Um, that happened right before the lock festival was scheduled to happen in Virginia. And I, uh, I happened to have a, a I caught a, a ride with some friends of mine that had to go to Richmond to do some business. So I was like, all right, well I'll ride with them to Richmond. I'll see my mom. I'll rent a car and I'll drive to lock in on the back roads and I'll start, trying to learn for real some of this civil war stuff 
Okay. You know, because there was a big cry at that time to start taking down these Confederate monuments. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. So I'm like, I grew up in this. And I began to discover that what I was taught was more indoctrination. It was a whitewashed version. And you never read about the reconstruction of the South. In history, you read about the Civil War, right? But you never get to what happened afterwards, and you do not get to the Great Betrayal. You do not understand what redlining in city districts is, um, and so it kind of began this this learning unlearning thing, mm. and it's hard. And you hear a lot of um, a lot of black authors um, and activists talk about the Great Unlearning, um, and it's and how uncomfortable it is to take note of the indoctrination that some of us have been subject to mm-hmm. and how that discomfort provides a great space to learn, um, to be open to change. And so, you know, that's a long-winded way of answering your question. No, it's a beautiful but, way. No, yeah. that, that's exactly what I was talking about because I know for me, like, dealing with, or not dealing with, just being alive right now during this time and the the tension and all that i have examined myself the same like you said like you said yourself like it's an ongoing journey when you're um if you're if you're trying to improve yourself and improve your way of thinking and keeping your mind open and teachable and just you know seeing how people relate to one another and it's it's a i don't know like I just wonder how other people are, are doing it as well. You know, other people out there, because I know it's just affecting me and just helping me to become better and more aware and, you know, doing this, educating. Having a conversation yeah. and learning from the conversation that you're having. I, and that's what I wanted to say was like, not only with the social unrest that's going on right now, but the, the whole pandemic thing, <clears throat> the vibe that's in the air, the, ethos of being awake out of bed every day is uncomfortable at this moment in time we're cut off from the things that are familiar and comfortable to us playing music seeing music going out to eat being with our friends gathering all those things so just the very nature of opening your eyes and getting out of bed during the day is uncomfortable at this point in time and that's that's difficult to deal with and i didn't think of it like you said just now dave like that that uncomfortability provides a great space to learn and, and be open in. Yeah. It's, and I think the key to, you know, this has been important to me in keeping me honest with myself as a, because this really is, you know, you've heard um, when some, when a cancerous tumor is taken out, they talk about margins right. and how wide the margins are. And sometimes it's like, well, the tumor was the size of a penny. Uh, you know, why did you have to take out the size of a grapefruit? Because the margins are the key. Um, and that's why it, it hurts so much. Mm. You know, for me, I'm like, 
oh, they're taking down the Robert E. Lee statue in Richmond, which is like a part. If I think about Richmond, that's one of the images that's in my head. I, I was born there. Right. I was born at Stewart Circle Hospital, where there's another one of those. It's on the same street. It's the Jeb Stewart monument. It's going to come down. Um, the margins of taking these cancers out and the, like the sum total of what all they stand for hurt because it's it's like this fuzzy picture I have. But the fact is, those things were put there to split the city in half and remind black people that we're not really behind them in this town. Wow. You know, there's a lot of people talking about, oh, my heritage and, you know, my forefathers. Well, your forefathers were treasonous. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> you know, and the fact that I grew up in this town and didn't really even realize, just like, yeah, I went to a million field trips, you know, Petersburg, Colonial Heights, Gettysburg, Fredericksburg, Cold Harbor. Whoa. It, it was, it's born, you know, we're born into it if, if we come from that area. Right. But it's like, I think the main point is the privilege, we're privileged because we can think about it. <sighs> you know, we're privileged because of like what you were saying about waking up and realizing what the pandemic is costing us. We're from a point of privilege just to even think those things right. because there are a lot of people um, not as lucky as us that can sit around and talk about it mm -hmm. because they have to try to stay alive. They have to try and make a living. When it comes to the race stuff that's going on in the country, it seems to me we're very privileged because we're taking this philosophical viewpoint of it. Um, whereas if you were black and you lived in Richmond, you'd have to see these monuments every day as you go from where you live to where you work. A constant reminder every day. Um, so my main thing that I think has kept me going through this pandemic to shift to that thing, also the racial thing, is the gratitude I have to be able to sit here in my house with my wife and my dog um, and cook dinner every night. Mm. You know, I was planning on taking some months off after we finished this Neil Casal City record we're working on. Um, but the last session for that that was supposed to be in April obviously got scuttled. Right. So I find myself into this sort of test retirement <laughs> situation, <laughs> as I've been calling it now. And uh, the main thing I have is this terrible stuff going on. We don't have the right information. Perhaps our federal government really dropped the ball on preparing for this and being able to deal with it in a scientific and logical way. But I'm lucky because I can sit here and look at these idiots debating whether or not to wear a mask. Right. You know, I'm going to wear one because it's not about me. It's about everyone else. And if I'm sick and don't know it and I wear the mask and go out to get supplies, the chances of me infecting other people are much slimmer. Yeah. So for that, yeah. I'm grateful. The fact that I can take my dog, they closed the park. It's only recently been reopened. Um, so the fact I can take my dog elsewhere and walk in makes me feel very grateful. Mm. Um, and that's a, it's a difficult thing to cultivate when it seems like, geez, what the hell's going on? I mean, yeah. 2020 was starting off pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was. All of a sudden it's like, you know, you see these memes where, you know, what's next? The stay puffed marshmallow. <laughs> Murder hornets. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, well, Murder hornets was plot device. They're certainly going to bring back in the fall because, oh, you know, it's like foreshadowing. All right. When are these guys going to show up again? <laughs> Dude, it's it's a trip to think about what what you're saying on a like 
macrocosmic, microcosmic level, like if default reality or consensus reality is a manifestation of the collective consciousness, so to speak, and those monuments are coming down and there's a sickness across the world, things are changing in consciousness. It's an outward manifestation of that thing becoming real in reality. So it, I mean, I guess you could look at this time as really beautiful in a way. I think you have to, to get through it in a positive way. It's very easy to get swept down the rapid of negativity. Um, to like, uh, what were they calling it? Uh, feed fatigue. Oh yeah. Feed at, the fatigue. Height, at the height of the riots, it was like, Oh my God, it reminded me of nine 11. It's like, I can't look away. It's, it's horrifying. It hurts my soul. It breaks my heart. Yep. Yet there is power behind a movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's something you want to talk about collective consciousness and the definition of reality. Um, Something Noam Chomsky always talks about is uh, after a revolution, when there's a winner and a loser, uh, the definition of the terrorist or the definition of the rebel, you know, and patriot is determined by who wins. Right. So if we come out ahead and we get some historical hindsight on the events of 2020, it could very well be that this was a catalyst for very positive change, you know, um, a very hurtful, painful, tumultuous point in our history. Um, but as I'm prone to trying to say to my goddaughter who should have been driving her car and enjoying her sophomore, junior year of high school, um, you've sacrificed those sort of mundane pleasures for living through a pivotal point in American history and maybe world history wow. and possibly the history of human consciousness. You know, but we don't really know until later. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He, my son is 18 and was a senior this year. <clears throat> and, you know, all the things that happened, you know, no, no prom, none of the graduation ceremony. He didn't get any of that. And, being able to say what you just said to him, thanks, man, because I haven't known what to say. You know, I I feel like he got he got a raw deal, and um, just being able to say something that means something real that that's really cool. And I I did not think of it like that. Like, well, know, I don't know if it's any kind of panacea, but you know, I I think it's like we go through. You know, we get hurt when we're kids or we get into trouble or something. And at the time it's happening, it's like the worst thing in the world, right? Right. But later, it's like a a great anecdote because you survived it, you know, and you found a way to weave some positivity into it. And maybe it it spun you onto a completely different course for your life that uh, gave you more than you ever could have dreamed uh, because you didn't know you could dream that. Um. And, and that's really all I can hope for. It seems like the biggest growth comes through the times of the greatest discomfort. Birth. Um, yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> that keeps me going. <laughs> wow, Dave. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not getting the stuff that I need right now. Um, and it would be really easy for me. And believe me, I fall a prey to it because this is what is it? We're in the month three of 
Was it March, April, yeah, May? Four, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm four months yeah, into work. Starting month four. <clears throat> yeah. The things that I live for um, that make what I do really, really vital to me, uh, the traveling and the collaboration and the working with different people in the studio and performing with my brothers on stage, as we've done for 35 years. Mm. All of it just got shut down in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it's got to And there's really no, uh, you know, despite having band meetings and listening to the best science, it's still very fuzzy, um, you know, as far as the future is concerned. So it's easy for me to like, sort of be like, ah, man, you know, this, this is a bummer. It's a complete bummer. Um, and sometimes I have sat in that for a little while, but generally, you know, I have to remind myself I live in West Sonoma County. I just <laughs> take my dog for a walk. Yeah. Um, this is the breadbasket of the world, the, the pinnacle of slow food on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, there are vegetable stands that are practicing great protocols and I can whip up something that's out of the dirt that my house sits on for dinner and it's healthy and good. And that's key because believe me, that doesn't really happen on the road. <laughs> yeah, no, no shit. Yeah. I actually said something similar to Mel the other day. We were outside on the porch talking and she's like, how you doing, babe? You know, your eyes, you look a little tired and, and you look a little nuts. And I was like, you know, I, I feel like there's two of me right now. Like, there's one guy that's just completely content and happy that we have a beautiful home and food and somewhere to be and be safe. And and then the other one of me wants to go run and scream in the street naked, you know, at, at the exact same time. Those two people are existing in my head. And it, it is like you say, man. The person that wants to run in the screen, uh, screaming and naked is that negative or positive because it sounds kind of free <laughs> yes very free yeah. All right, that's I'm with it. you Dave that's you right you guys take over I'm, I'm out of there here. he goes oh. <laughs> he needs something dramatic like that right now yeah well I mean I I can't possibly know what it feels like to have you know 30 plus years of touring and playing in front of live audiences and, and that kind well, of just energy your life coming at me is... yeah and that's my life but I do know what 30 years of receiving that music has been like and having it cut off. And it's, it's a trip, man. It's like missing a limb in a lot of ways. It's painful. It is painful. You, you posted something on your Instagram the other day that I really appreciated day. It was talking about how this, we are all going through a trauma right now. <clears throat> You'd listed. It was like a little list of things. It's like our brains are not working at full capacity. It's not capable of right now. And we're all experiencing a trauma. And to that note, too, like we're we're starting to see things kind of open up and stuff. And what I'm seeing with our family right here, like last weekend, we went out to dinner as a family to a little just a little spot here with social distancing. But it it was such a magical thing to be able to do. I think, when we, you know, we're coming out of this and things we kind of took for granted. Like, I mean, that's something you could do any night of the week. You go every night to eat if you want to. There's just going to be so much beauty that comes out of this trauma that's kind of happening to us. Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah, Yeah, new love, stronger love, every, you know. Yeah, and I bet the food tasted more intense. The experience (laughs) of being around other people was more exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, you know, I think that uh, there has been an appreciation for the slowing down, the quieting of the mind. It's almost been like a, yes, there's been a lot of tumult and, you know, a, a whole lot of like, you know, you could listen to our government and our advisors walk science back 50 years, but uh, in your homestead and in your mind and in the people that are like, vital to your survival, um, it's quieted. And it's something that my wife and I have really, we've, we've spent more quality time together in the last four months than we have in the last four years. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with running around and, and doing a lot of business. You know, I've recorded in Woodstock. I've recorded in Richmond, Virginia. I've recorded in LA. I've recorded in Oakland. And I've played tennis shows <laughs> all over. And, and uh, that's great. But kind of stopping it for a little while makes me appreciate it more because I was on like the, the high speed escalator. You know, it's like being on the expressway as opposed to in the local lane. Right. And uh, <clears throat> we drove down to uh, West Marin yesterday to have sort of a social distance picnic with some friends on their ranch and took some blueberries. And we took the long way getting there through the hills of West Marin. It was just a gorgeous day. And we were able to drive slowly down curvy roads and saw a lot of bicyclists and, you know, people doing what West Marin and Sonoma County are known for. Right. But by the time we went home, we wanted to get back to feed the dogs and everything. And it's the first time I've been on the 101 since I drove up from LA on March 14th, the wow. first day of the Bay Area lockdown. And it was, it was like it's like being shot into something that was almost too fast to understand. Uh-huh. Now I'm a, I can drive. I can get from where I live to LA in six hours because I can drive. Man, I've been on the road for forty years. I <laughs> ain't afraid. But this was definitely just like between Petaluma and Santa Rosa. That's another one on one. It's not crazy. It's not mm-hmm. like Oakland. No, you know. It, but it was like. Oh my God, the, the on ramp is ending and people are flying. And that's like, wow, how quickly we forget the intensity of life that we had normalized. Yeah. You know, in an event like this, calming and slowing, it's daunting to get back into the slipstream, but it's been wonderful. I mean, I've done a few interviews during this quarantine thing where I'm like, is it wrong for me to say that I'm kind of enjoying this? No. You know, you're it's, allowed it's to like, enjoy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate the fact there's a plague out there killing people and that we don't have any information about it. Um, but at the same time, I fully appreciate so many of the things that I'm hardly ever here to appreciate mm. that I work for. Wow. Um, and that's, you know, it, to me that is, it means the world. We have this little white peace tree. It's scraggly. It's, it's really kind of pathetic, but it puts out peaches for about a week <laughs> this time of year. And I'm not looking for that, but I just went out and picked a bunch of them and they're delicious. Make Aww. a peach pie. And that's, yeah. that's stuff you can taste, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's real. That That's what we're hearing from several people too, as we, we spoke to uh, Billy Strings a couple weeks ago. And, he, and that's, this is a young guy and he's saying, he goes, this is the first time in five years I've been at my home for more than five days in a row. And then, and then he said, and then he spoke to Sam, Sam, who was a Sam Bush. He said, he goes, this is the first time I've been at home for more than five days in 30, 30 years, years, son. 
and, and they're yeah. enjoying it. They're finding new things. He's like working on his car. He has not had the chance to do in Going years. Fishing. And it, it, it's yeah. nice to hear Billy that you guys are getting that. Well, Billy and I talked about it. I did his podcast a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he's a highly evolved soul. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, I really I enjoy everything I do with Billy. And he was the first person that came and he, he had picked the deal to salsa and he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I put him in there with the circles around the sun guy. Mm-hmm. And because that was the last project Neil and I were talking about was I was going to produce a circles record with Billy as a guest. Oh, kind of like the Russo and circles record. They right, did. right. Um, and that obviously never came to fruition, but, uh, you know, Billy sat in with panic at the Ryman on our acoustic shows. And, and the day that Neil passed away, I spent the afternoon with Billy at Vance Powell's studio talking about mental health and right. talking about things that, um, it's easy for me to, to forget the perspective I have at the age of 55 right. when talking to someone like Billy. But when I encounter someone his age that is so highly evolved, very similar to the way Dwayne Trucks is, there somehow have been privy to a little experience and some second or first hand knowledge that pushed them a little farther than most people their age. Right. And, uh, you know, that was, um, it was a great day. Spent that in a great studio, just shooting shit with Vance Powell and Billy Spins and me, and about wanting to help people, you know, and how musicians we find ourselves in a position. A lot of people, um, those of us who are approachable, we're often approached by people who want our perspective on a mental situation. Right. And it can be exhausting. Um, and you don't want to turn anyone down, but you've got to refill your psyche as well. And that's what Billy and I were talking about. You've got to take the time to refill the psyche as well. Otherwise, the material that you generate isn't really going to be vital. It's thin. It's going to be, um, it's going to be, did you say thin? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be thin. It's, it's going to be sort of, uh, diaphanous and not really, uh, chunky. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but really, you know, he's a great example because he's been working his ass off. Yeah. Because that's what young people do. You know, he's on this voyage of discovery and an ascension, the likes of which, um, a natural ascension, an organic ascension, which I'm going to keep weaving into our conversation because that's <laughs> where we started. Right. Um, I've been, Billy's been on my radar for 10 years since he was a little guitar one to time before a bolo and had scrappy hair. You know, and was like, it was him and an older guy that was the like teacher handler. Um, he was like a bluegrass prodigy. Yeah, prodigy. You know, and I've watched him sort of naturally by exposure um, open up to different ideas. He was always a little metalhead, but, you know, he was following this tradition of bluegrass and songwriting. And now he's at this point where he's a legitimate artist. He's integrated it all. And, there's fantastic things on the future from Billy. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing with artists like you and and him and and others is you've taken a traditional thing like playing the bass or let's just say bluegrass and Billy's stuff is all its own. You can't I I can't call it's I mean it's bluegrass esque, but it's not traditional and 
you know, they try and come up with names like Jamgrass and all that stuff, whatever. It's its own thing. That's Billy Strings music. And like with you, you know, the whole lead bass thing, like that, that's your thing. It, nobody else does that. It's unique to you. It's special. And that's the, that's the beauty of the true artist. I mean, I can copy somebody else's painting, but I can't paint the Mona Lisa. You know what I mean? That, that's their own thing. Right. There's a, there's an inspiration. Um, that's the gift of the cross that you hear about with artists. It's a burden. It's a gift. It can reap amazing rewards. Uh, or it can leave you penniless and miserable. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, And I've seen examples of all of it from all kinds of art, not just musicians, but painters and artists. And I've always been drawn to artists. Uh, my mom was a ballet critic for the Richmond paper, and she also worked at the Virginia Museum. So I did drag to all kinds of traditional ballet, modern dance. I saw Alvin Ailey's troupe when I was a kid. I saw Moomenshots, which is some really weird yeah. stuff. You should look it up. They're, they're, it's weird. Okay. <laughs> I'm in. I like stuff. weird. <laughs> and, uh, but also, she worked at the council shop on Saturday at the Virginia Museum, and so... I knew all the back tunnels and weirdness through the museum. I, I spent hours and hours and afternoons by myself at the museum looking at jewels and Egyptian artifacts and Byzantine paintings and modern art. And it just, they were, all that stuff was my best friend. And understanding that the, the dichotomy of you got your art stars, you got your music superstars that reap the benefits in their lifetime and maybe still manage to generate amazing art. And you've got the Van Goghs and the people that uh, never saw anything during their lifetime and their art continues to just unfold and influence people. Right. Um, there's an unfairness there that is like a, a, a gift and a burden. You know, artists know when they're cranking out good product. If they say they don't, they're full of shit. <laughs> Straight up, they're full of shit. You know, it's like, is there self-doubt in an artist? Of course. But we all know when we've made something amazing. Right. And so it's like, if you're lucky, you get some reward for, making, you know, all right, I knew it was amazing. Check it out. I go buy a new car. Pay the rent this month. Right. Or it's like, I made something amazing and no one even sees it. That's soul crushing mm-hmm. right there. That, that's yeah, hard. and it is hard, but we don't have any other recourse. Mm-mm. That's the thing. I mean, we have to do this. If I hadn't found music, I would probably be the most miserable, mediocre writer of prose or <laughs> essays. Or um, I, I won't even call it reporting because what passes for news isn't anything. It's just opinion, propaganda, and spin. That's why I got out of journalism school right. in college, um, and that was. 30, I don't know, a long time ago. (laughs) Another life. (laughs) Yeah. It was another life. I mean, I was fully prepared. Music was my best friend growing up, um, as were books, and as was art, and books about art, and books about music, and I got lucky enough to have a high school band. Um, Some of them still play on the weekends. Some of them play for a living. Uh, And I got, but I went to school to be a journalism person wow. and I left my guitar at home 
But I can tell you one thing. When I got to Athens, Georgia in 1983, when I went back home for Christmas, the guitar came back. <laughs> and, it, and that was it? And and really, that was it. It was, it was about, you know, I had already met the people who were going to put me in touch with John Bell. Right. We were playing hockey sack at the time. <laughs> You know, but there was a brief period of my life where I was like, this is a dumb dream. I'm giving it up. I'm going to do something concrete. I write pretty good. And everybody and their brother was suddenly interested in journalism school. You know why? Because cable news. Oh, you know, yeah. it wasn't just Cronkite and Brinkley and the three channels. At that point, you had CBS, WGN, and CNN was starting. It was the early 80s. So all of a sudden, everybody's like, I could be an anchorman. The punk and so the journalism school was huge at the University of Georgia. There were a lot of like, you know, it's like these people aren't reported nerds. These people aren't creative writers. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so anyway, wow, I'm sorry man. for the side No, hey, you know what? <laughs> this it, is what it's all this, about, yeah. Dave, is this the whole thing. Thank you so much for spending time with us during the quarantine and giving us some food for thought and some fun stories and just thank you for all of it. We appreciate it. And and I just, like I said in the beginning, man, you know, I see what you're doing out there. I don't, who the hell am I? But I appreciate you, man. I really do. And I feel it, brother. It's it's oh, well, it's you. alive and, and it's awesome to watch. <laughs> you're making awesome shit. Yeah, you're making awesome <laughs> shit. I'm just letting you know. Thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, I have no intention of stopping. And, oh, uh, right on. Good. That, <laughs> that's what we can't wait for, and I'm sure you too, is to see the magic and the beauty and the love that comes out of all this. Yeah. Everybody's just cooking like this awesome stew right now that is just going to spread all over the world. Widespread motherfucking well, yeah, You're right. <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, there's no way any creative person can stew in this no. and not, you know, this is, these are new spices. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is new spice for you know, me. That's for sure. Everybody's home cooking <laughs> up something new. <laughs> yeah. Our, 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 you know, this is, this is history right now. We're, and it's yeah. just like between the, the, the racial awakening and this worldwide pandemic, and the economic disaster that it has wrought, um, you know, this is some serious artistic inspiration for creative people, um, no matter how they create. Even just for people who aren't, wouldn't consider themselves creative, they have had their minds rearranged. Mm-hmm. You know, if I polled you three, <laughs> has your mind been rearranged? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, I have to I have Whoa. to admit this. What during the middle of the conversation, I literally started to have like a panic attack. Like I started to feel my heart really beat very very fast. Really? Yes, and I didn't say anything. And then I looked down and I had like a little journal next to me, Dave, when I talked to when we talked to people and I had um written widespread um mf panic right and i looked at the word panic and i was like oh shit and i just like was able to breathe through it but that that's never happened to me before in any other dave got anything (laughs) and it was when you were talking about colonel bruce so i just wanted to throw that out there because i had i literally was having like my heart felt like it was in my throat and wow. I wasn't going to say anything, but I don't know. It just came well, out. Well, that's, that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that because, I mean, that's the epitome of discomfort occurring to you. 
mm. you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad that the, the, it was panic. And you know, here's the thing that I, it came into my head when you were describing your experience. We called ourselves widespread panic because Mike Hauser suffered panic attacks. His nickname was panic, you know, and he thought he was having a heart attack. It was really just anxiety, you know, severe anxiety attacks. Mm. And so one day he came home from class on, on the campus. He, uh, he goes, I saw a poster for a, a, um, a like swing jazz ensemble that's playing at the Tate Center. And they were called the Widespread Depression Orchestra. Oh. And he goes, I don't want to just be panic anymore. I want to be widespread panic. And we finally had a name for our band. Wow. Um, but panic attacks aren't heart attacks, mm. you know? And so maybe what they are is like, is this an opportunity for a realization? Yeah. Why am I, you know, why would me talking about Bruce give you palpitations? No. Well, you know what, Dave, I'll t- I, I don't know. I just in the moment of you just asking is like this show, the show, um, it's bought a lot of realizations because, you know, musicians, you guys have so much time to think and create. So you do have a, you you are on a different frequency when you guys talk to people. And Aaron was, Aaron and Apple have been going to concerts for years and years. And that just was never my thing until recently. And so they have a lot of like the, they they know like the stats of who we're interviewing and you know like all the all all of the the, the the background stuff and they they get all nervous and I just don't get nervous because I don't know I I don't know them I don't know you right like so why would I get nervous but I got nervous I, I got nervous about you because all the people that like Aaron's mentioned um, Mapache uh, Frasco circles like. Like th- these are all the people that I just met, meet and fall in love with. I'm like, oh my god, they're so sweet. Like, and then here we are talking to you, and I, I guess I just had, I don't know, it was just like a, a, this. I, I can't, couldn't believe we're, I was talking to you. I couldn't believe that. No, but not just that, but like wow. the connection with Colonel Bruce and like, I, I was just writing like you know like the whole six seven degrees to Kevin Bacon, and I'm I'm writing down like. Uh, Billy Strings, we just interviewed them, Annabelle, Frasco, George Porter Jr., Circles, Mapache, Pacific Range. Like, like these are all, like Aaron said, all these people that you're involved in, and it just, I guess it would, like, struck it, struck it struck me. Struck yeah, it struck me, and it made my my heart, <laughs> it made my heart go pitter-pat. <laughs> Oh, well, that's good. That's <laughs> well, because I wasn't scared, you know, but I recognize my body reaction. You know what I'm saying? I get it. No, I absolutely get it. And sometimes it gets me so hard that I'm at a loss for words, which might sound unbelievable because I'm not known for being at a loss for words, but I understand um, how you felt. And that's the way it affects me when it happens to me is I just suddenly I, I lost my train of thought. Mm. Um and sometimes I, I have to pinch myself. I find myself in situations where I'm like, I brought this situation about. Yes. And, yes. and all of a sudden, you know, like I wanted at Frasco to, I've been trying to do more work in Richmond, Virginia, um, because my mom's there and she's elderly and I like to keep tabs on her. Yeah. And I love my old town. Um, and it turns out there's an amazing group of people 
Matthew E. White, Faith Bomb. They have a studio. They have a house band that is the house band for the studio. Mm-hmm. And it's legit, and they're so cool. And um, so I wanted Frasco to go there. I usually work right here where it's pretty cheap at the chicken farm studio called Prairie Sun. But uh, I'm like, the reason to go to Space Bomb is if you want strings. Because there's an arranger, Trey Pollard, who is part of the group there, that works with the Richmond Symphony and has done strings and for all the artists that they sign and that they back up. I'm like, we got some songs we could put some strings on. Um, so I he agreed, and I had one of those moments. Like, I've been wanting to work with these guys from my hometown. I've met them. They're incredible. Uh, I love Andy. I love working with Andy. He's got an energy and a vibe that's unparalleled <laughs> in these days. And bam, all of a sudden, there we are. That's Space Bomb. I'm like, wow, okay. Wait a minute. What did I want to do? Oh, <laughs> I shit. completely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you guys will play music. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> but for a second, I forgot because I was overwhelmed with, you know, just the, the like, intensity of yes. the shared vision of recording and creating new music. Aww. It's amazing. Thanks for sharing that with Thank you, Dave. That I just, like, I, f- I feel good about it. Like, I felt better. Like, I guess I just needed to say it to you while you were on the phone before we hung up. Oh. Well, I'm glad you did. Thanks. Yeah, that's a that's a huge deal, Dave. You, <laughs> I mean, you don't know us from Adam, but that's a that's a big deal for for her. I, Mel and I have been married for twenty almost twenty three years, and we've been through hell together, <clears throat> and great and, stuff, and amazing shit too, amazing stuff. And that's one thing with her that I've never seen is the. Uh, I don't even know what to call that. Um, getting super excited or anxious about stuff, Mel's usually extremely even. Like, that's my barometer. I'm I'm the nutbag. I'll go nuts about stuff. And she's like, yo, yo, reel it in, killer. Come on, you know. Bring it back to Earth. Yeah, come on, come on back down. But to get that reaction out of her, like, there's certain people that we speak to on the phone that their energy comes through the ether into the room. Yeah, they're here with us. They're here. You could feel it. And you're one of those people. And and I was experiencing it, and I'm just doing my thing. But I noticed her out of the corner of my eye, and it was odd. And so that's really cool, man. So thank you for that. Well, thanks for letting me uh, just yabber. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. I love it, man. That's our favorite thing. And I can't wait to to come to a panic show and, and scream and holler and dance and sing with you guys man and uh well, thank you what a celebration that's gonna be i Heck hope it's sooner yeah. than later <laughs> it's on is there anything dave now that no. you're nothing huh i just wanted to pretend to ask and <laughs> hopefully where, there was gonna you, be well, an answer where are you playing next week <laughs> yeah. like, that. like billy said i'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do the basement wishful thinking do the kitchen, kitchen tomorrow <laughs> right on. well you know just, just know that we're we've got the best science that we can and we're looking at all options um, and all possibilities. I think what Billy's doing playing these uh, empty shows around Nashville um, is fantastic. Aww. It's easy for him to do because it's for acoustic instruments and some microphones. Right. Um, Panic is a much bigger machine but we have talked about how we could possibly do that. If that's what it comes down to, doing like a simulcast 
um, from you know some club that was equipped to do it properly and professionally and have it sound and look great. Um, then that's the foremost on our mind. The, the main thing for us is we don't want to endanger anyone. Yes. Um, and the lack of, of actual science and knowledge um, that we have, even the best of us have, isn't enough to eliminate that possibility, at least in our minds, of, of doing unintentional damage to the people we love. Aww. So um, that's where it is right now, but we are certainly doing the best we can cool, man. To, to like make something happen soon. Um, you know, and studio world will open up sooner than, than the big live world. We'll get some music. So yeah. The projects I've been involved in, the Kenny Roby record is going to come out very soon, um, where I stepped in for Neil to produce that. Mm. Um, and the Neil Casal tribute record that we were working can't, on can't is uh, about to go live with a Kickstarter and we're going to release of Billy Strings back with a video done by Justin Kreutzmann. Um, so, you know, that work is ongoing in so much as we were lucky enough to have all the stuff recorded. So, uh, you don't need to put a big team together to mix it and get it prepared for release, um, at least song by song. So, right. music's coming. Um, the celebration's, you know, going to wait for a little while, but we have our fingers crossed. Music first. And we're all hoping for the best. <laughs> all right, man. We'll talk to you soon, Dave. I'll let you know when this is coming out, man. And I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for giving yeah, us your thanks time. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. thanks, um, Dave. Thank you, and enjoy enjoy your wife, your dog, and that peach tree. <laughs> yeah, you guys too. Nice to meet all of you, and uh, you know, send me whatever materials you need, and I'll put it up when you're ready to go to uh, the airwaves. You got it, man. You have a beautiful day, right brother. On. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Thank you, guys. Bye, bye. Peace. Bye. I, I'm. Should we even bother with the oh, end, I'm end of that? Floored. I'm goosebumped. I'm. I'm not even going to bother. You guys take care of each other. Um, smile at a stranger. Do all the stuff and things. And thanks for listening to amazing stuff. We'll talk to you soon.
I want to tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. It features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.